Welcome, listeners, to www.ironradio.org, the website and podcast for all things strength sports and sports nutrition. With your hosts, Lonnie Lowry. Remember, Phil is like a gnarled old oak tree held together with scar tissue and bone spurs. Rob Fortney. And I'm telling you, the pain that I would suffer was beyond excruciating. And Phil Stevens. Do it, Rob. You'll kill all those nerves. Thanks for listening. Welcome, Iron Radio listeners. I'm Robert Fortress Fortney. I'm a former journalist. Well, actually, I'm still a journalist. So I haven't done it for a long time. Um, besides the show, uh, former competitive bodybuilder and uh, current powerful strongman guy. Yo, this is Phil Stevens. I'm a strength coach. I run Strength Guild here in Topeka, Kansas. Um, got affiliates over in Australia and stuff like that. I also run LiftForHope.org, and I am a competitive powerlifter and Highland Games enthusiast. Yeah, sorry people, we're just stoned over here. I'm <laughs> kidding, kidding. Yeah. Um, Lonnie's not on today. He had some uh, family obligation he had to attend to, so we just found that out not so long ago. So Phil and I are filling in the blanks, right, Phil? We're taking the reins of this show and riding it right through. Hell yeah. Um, so how do you want to start things here? You want me to go on with a couple of these letters I got, or? Yeah, let's questions. just talk about what we both got going on right now, and then we can go into that. That'll be the topic, I think. Okay. Got, uh, as usual, a bunch of, bunch of letters, emails. One from Aaron Thaw. He was asking me about, um, well, he was asking about somatotyping. He said, and his question was, um, from what he's seen from sources, the entire theory of somatotyping is worthless. Do you use terms from that theory as they are convenient, well-known examples, or do you believe in somatotyping? If so, do you have any more recent science to back it up? Um, thanks for your time. Great podcast. Best wishes. Anyway, you know, I, and I forwarded this to, to Lonnie because um, clearly he would be the guy who would best answer this question. Um, so I forwarded it to him, and he actually thankfully sent me something back really quickly. Um, for those of you who don't know what that is, um, somatotype, it's basically just um, when you hear people referencing the, the basic three um, types of, of humans, uh, you get the mesomorphs, like stocky and muscular, the ectomorphs, thin, angular, and endomorphs, which is kind of the round and the fatter type people. Um, and as everybody pretty much can guess, nobody really ever falls specifically 100,000% into one of those three categories. Um, you know, you're usually a little bit, a little bit of each, maybe, but you know, a predominantly one. Um, clearly, people who are you know best suited for athletics and that type of thing are generally speaking the uh, the mesomorphs. Anyway, um, and of course, the ectomorphs usually are people that have a hard time putting on size and mass and strength, and endomorphs who have a hard time getting lean. So there you go. Anyway, Lonnie's response to this, and I'm just going to read it to our listeners because, again, I'm not a scientist, and you know, I, I have a general, very general understanding of somatotyping and that type of thing. So I'm not going to get into this and try and sound like I know about this when I don't. Um, he says, "This is Dr. Lonnie Lauer says somato, somatotyping is real, if old, textbook science. It's not pseudoscience like so much else in the industry." It's just an attempt to characterize physique types. Any problems would come from speculation or attempts to apply these body shapes to some other situation. Um, and that actually makes quite a lot of sense to me. So, um, do you have anything to add to that, Phil? No. No, not really. I mean, I think he's a... Uh, I don't have anything that, right. that would sound intelligent. So. Right. So, uh, again, just to kind of uh, distill that further, he's Dr. Lonnie Lauer is just basically saying... Somatotyping is uh, is just a way to characterize physique types, like he says, and you know problems that occur if you're going to take those um, and then start speculating, you know, down the line, uh, uh, you know, to to more and more, you know, particular de- degrees for other uh, avenues. Anyway, I, I hope that makes sense. And like I say, maybe next week when we have Lonnie on, and if if we remember, we'll. Uh, Bring this up again, so maybe he can uh, elucidate a few minutes further on that whole thing. And I, but I hope that uh, at least um, helps a little bit to uh, Aaron. And the other letter that I want to actually just uh, briefly mention, just because he he uh, sent me a real nice uh, couple of emails, actually, is from uh, Paul Marchetti, 
and he is just saying that uh, anyway I thank you guys sincerely and I truly believe you are offering a wealth of info for you and not so um, not young and not so young lifters like I listen just about every podcast there is on lifting and yours is by far the best Woo, Paul thank you appreciate that nice, yeah, thank you very much yeah very good um, now Phil let's get us into uh, anything else that you have and then we can go into it that thing. The topic of the day. That thing, yeah. No, I mean, I, th- I think we just shoot some training. Um, you know, I was telling you off the air that I kind of messing around with my, everybody knows I got a bum hip. Uh, I've been told to, that it needs replaced, but to push it as long as I can. So it makes squatting a real pain in the butt. Um, but I went in and uh, messed around with my squat stance. It's Tuesday. And uh, I found one that, that causes little to no pain. I mean, I, I squatted and the only pain the next day was. I guess what I'd call good pain. Um, just my muscles were sore. There was no actual joint pain and stuff like that. So it's uh, kind of like Rob now. My feet, my heels are like four or five inches apart, and I'm squatting like Tom Platt style. So very, uh, I'll stand out in a powerlifting meet, but uh should be interesting. It kind of got me excited to train again, um, start pushing my squat up, see if I can't get those uh, giant quads back. <laughs> well, I think you're actually going narrower than I am. Yeah, Jeez. It's, it, it feels weird, but <clears throat> the good thing is it's I, I back out and I no longer think, well, wow, how much is this going to hurt? It's more of a, uh, this is going to be tough, which is a good thing. You know, it, it's hard to be strong when you're sitting there feeling for pain the whole time. Oh, uh, no kidding, yeah. So, yeah, it went well. For day one, I mean, I hit 465 for an easy triple and then did some pause squats at 385 and hit seven on my last set. So, um, yeah, it was interesting. So we'll see. we'll see how that goes. Absolutely. How about yourself? Training is going great. I just, uh, thankfully, I have today and tomorrow off. I always look forward to Thursdays and Fridays off because I crush myself on Tuesdays, Wednesdays, and Saturdays. So, I have are you training three days a week now? Three days a week. Yeah. Yeah, that's what I'm doing too. Yeah. Um, and and quite honestly, at this stage of the game, I a don't really think that I need more. And B, don't really know as though I can handle anymore. <laughs> yeah, no, I hear you. You know, and I think, yeah, I, for drug, drug, uh, drugless, non-drug using, um, strength athletes, um, I, I really don't find that it's, you know, feasible to even imagine going to the gym more than three, maybe four maximum. Um, just doesn't seem like something that, you know, is feasible again. So that's what I was always a four day a week guy, but it's more I don't know, I think it's I'm getting older and smarter and that fourth day was just kinda I was going in there and beating myself up more than I need to. Yeah. So. I mean, you know, I, I it's funny because when I started I would do the classical five, six days a week thing and, and as you progress and get stronger and so forth you kinda, you know, just realize and get like you say, you get smarter. Yeah. Start trimming away the fat, you know, and all that kind of stuff. And you know, there, there was a part of me a few years ago that was, you know, still had that had this driving ambition to do four a week. And but I would find I'd just go on the fourth day and like be making stuff up to do. Yeah. You know, and you know, n- not necessarily totally useless things, but in the context of, of of what I was doing the other three days, you know, kind of farting in a windstorm kind of thing. It's like, you know, take it or leave it. Probably should leave it. You know, that, that fourth day could just be another day that you're actually growing and sleeping and eating and all that type of thing. So, you know. The only people I've seen with success that are, I think you can go five, six days a week early on when you're not that freaking strong. Um, your recovery is so much quicker. But the only people that I see that are able to go more frequent that are, that are anywhere near strong are the people that have the, the mindset that they can go in there and actually do a day that is, is really light. Um, yeah. And I can't. I've tried it, you know, those recovery workouts and crap like that. You know, Louis Simmons and his boys do it. I can't. I go in there and I always want to pack more weight on the bar. And my recovery workout turns into something that's not recovering me. It's being... <laughs> well, it's funny you say that because I actually find when I go on days that, you know, like I alternate my heavy and yeah. light deadlift days um, a lot more frequently. Like for bench and squat, I'll do like two or three weeks where it'll be like progressing up and then hit a deload. But I kind of deload every second week for deadlifts and... At, that's what I'm doing right now, and, and it's, I've found in the last several weeks that I've been doing that that you know I really have to make a conscious effort when I go in for the quote unquote deload or light yeah. day for deadlifts, not to turn it into a two hour marathon of everything else. Yeah. Um, and then I walk out of there and I think, geez, that was you know that really kind of 
knock the stuffing out of me. It was supposed to be a exactly. light day, you know. Yeah. <laughs> and then you look back at all the, you know, well, you know, well, maybe I should do a little bit of this, and maybe I should do some more, you know, a little bit of biceps, and maybe I should do a little bit more stomach work, and maybe I should do a little. Uh, yeah, by the time you walk out of there, you're sweating your ass off, and you're thinking that was not a light day. Yeah, you know, so. Yeah, it can be true. It takes a certain mindset to have those light days, and I just don't have them. <laughs> it's just yeah, or 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 if you're doing like if you're if you're if you're doing four days a week, if your if your sessions are actually very brief, you know, yeah. yeah, like you're doing like you know thirty to forty-five minutes max, yeah, you know, then maybe two. But I mean, if you're doing very traditional kind of power type training, and you're in there from anywhere between you know an hour and a half to two hours or yeah. or more. Um, I mean, how how long would you, generally speaking, be in the gym uh, for if, if you're an average of your training sessions, Phil? If it's under my control, you know, and I don't have a bunch of crap going on, it'd be a couple hours, usually hour yeah. and a half, two hours. Yeah, yeah. I was gonna say I uh, I don't really find myself being able to be out of there for you know in anything less than about an hour and a half, and that's yeah. if I'm trying to move along. Usually, an hour and forty five minutes is kind of what I usually kind of. Kind of end yeah. up being, and, and you know, it, 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 as we've talked about in the past, a lot of that is is preparation for the lifts. Yeah, I mean, you know, I can go in for an extremely heavy squat day, you know, and when you actually look, if you actually looked on paper, you know, not at the weight I was using, but the actual sets, yeah, and the exercises, you know, you know, somebody might look at that and say, this took you an hour and forty minutes, <laughs> but they don't realize that you know, um, both as a product of getting old and getting stronger. You know, preparation becomes more increasingly important. You know, so oh, yeah. I might not if I'm squatting on any given day, say 500 pounds. You know, I mean, I might not even arrive at you know that kind of weight for <laughs> really 30 minutes, 40 minutes. Yeah, you know? exactly. I mean, that's what I Tuesday when I went in and squatted, I knew all I have is an hour um, because I had obligations, I had clients coming in and this and that. So all I did it was squat. I did nothing but squat. That's all I was able to fit in. Right. And for an hour, I squatted. You know, and. Uh, yeah, I mean that's definitely that's definitely normal. I mean our two hour, our, our Saturday sessions is when my team comes in and squats, and it'll be it'll be two two and a half hours. Oh, yeah. You know, and when I, you've got switching out, so yeah. I mean, and you know, it, when you have lots of people, sometimes that could be to your favor because you can use the people going as as your rule of thumb to when you're going kind of a yeah. thing. You know, like it's like you're after Bill, and that's just that you know once Bill's done, you're up. Yeah. Um, so that actually can 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 expedite everything, but you know, yeah, it, it, you know, your your training session is your training session. As long as again, you're you're being fo- you know, you're being mindful of what you're doing and what you should not be doing. As far as just you know, we always talk about my, you know just useless mileage or whatever. You know, there's all that talk about. You know, you're just killing yourself if you're if your training's over 45 minutes long and all this stuff. You're going catabolic and. It's, I don't know an athlete that only trains for 45 minutes. You know, and they're all strong. It's, I, just, I gave up on the whole time thing years ago. It's just, I don't care if it takes me four hours or 45 minutes. As long as I get done what needs to be done. Yeah. You know, if I'm feeling damn good and I go in there and my joints feel like butter, I might hurry through it. But it's, it's, it just depends on the day. I don't really care as long as I get up the numbers that I need to get up that day and everything feels good. Yeah. So and- be it. It's imp- it's important that you give yourself a bo- you know and this of course was comes with experience but it's important that you give yourself the block of time that you need because the worst yeah. thing you can do is you know and Phil really has the right idea here you know as far as you know it takes as long as it takes and that's just the yeah. way it is um, and if you know that to get the work done is going to take you an hour and twenty minutes then you know give yourself an hour and a half and and make and, and make sure you get there in time you know because it's. I think on a subconscious level, a lot of people who actually don't like working out, but just do it because they, you know, from some sense of guilt or, you know, some watery idea of what their goal might be, you know, some people will go into the gym or actually delay, and then they'll, when they get there, they know that they've cut it down to 20 minutes, but they're, you know, subconsciously, they're like, oh, good, I only have to work out for 20 minutes. Yeah. (laughs) You know, oh, look at the time, you know, I got here late, I only have 20 minutes. Um but for those of us, and I, you know, I certainly assume that the majority of Iron Radio listeners is, are fall into this category. For those of us who actually have a passion for, <clears throat> you know, uh, training with weights, you know, we're not exercisers, we're trainers. Um, give yourself that block of time that you need. You know, don't shortchange yourself, and don't, you know, don't, 
it's one of those things where you, you don't want to be racing against the clock saying, I gotta have it done this amount of time, and you're kind of like, you know, you're cutting corners and or you're not performing the way you should optimally be doing because you're trying to get out of there in a specific period of time. But the, uh, at the same time, you don't want to let your sessions get bloated because you're kind of, <laughs> you know, you're taking, you know, and a lot of powerlifters and, and strength athletes will tend to take a lot longer period between, you know, which is a, a lot of, like, exercises don't understand the whole concept yeah. of taking five, ten minutes between heavy deadlift sets or something like that. But that could be certainly, uh, you know, that, that's very common in our world. But, you know, you don't want to also allow that to become an you know, a justification for the fact that you know you could have you could have been very easily out of there in an hour and a half, but you know you were there for two hours and twenty minutes. Yeah. No, I actually had a lifter, a lifter or two at this last meet we did, but that came back and bit him a bit because they got they got really used to lollygagging a bit and taking you know it'd be forty five minutes before the warm up hitting their actual work sets, and we come to a meet and it's like, okay, ladies, you got twenty minutes and you're up. And it's like, wait a minute, I only got twenty minutes. Is like, yeah, you better hurry. You know, yeah. and you're, you know that when you're warming up, that rack isn't just yours either. So you're you're working on other people having to jump in when you can, and it's. So I've been rushing some some training along a bit with the group. Yeah, it's and it's interesting you bring that. This is kind of a side topic. I won't get too much into, but it's interesting you bring that up because people who are not who have never competed in powerlifting never really, unless you've been to lots of them, just watching and you're backstage with your buddy. Most people really all—it's all those those types of things that throw people off. Yeah, you know the, the things like you're saying, like the warm-up, you know, and all of a sudden you're on somebody else's clock, not yours. Yep. You know that that was something that you, you know for me, and I've talked about this in the past. You know, the, the whole idea of lift on demand, mm-hmm. you know, versus you know my you know for years I just lift when I'm re- when I'm ready. You know? Yeah. But now you're on somebody else's schedule, and 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 like you say, you bring up a good point. The whole idea of when you're warming up backstage, you're you're not just the only guy on the rack. I mean, maybe you are at some points because there's nobody else in your class or something. But you know, more often than not, you're sharing that warm-up area with not only other people in your class, but people in other classes. Mm-hmm. You know, and, and it's like you know, you need to have you know 350 pounds on the bar, and some woman's, you know, you know, she's, she's still dicking around with 120, and you gotta, some guy's saying, "I gotta go, I gotta go, I gotta go." So you, you know, and you're trying to find plates, and it's kind of madness, really. Yeah. Um, and and you got to a try and remain calm. But b you have to again go into it knowing that's the situation, yep. you know. So again, try and have an idea. And when you're training in the gym, whether or not you you know end up actually competing or not one day is not the point. You should you should try to always be mindful because it makes you a better lifter anyway. Sometimes go in and pretend that you're on somebody else's clock, yep. um, and you could, you'll be surprised how much more efficient you actually can train yourself to be. Um, for those times where you know it's it's you know, less optimal to be in the gym for three hours, sticking around, talking to people, and you know, doing a set every twenty minutes. It's uh, it's a good way to be. You know, yeah, yeah. Once in a while, give yourself, like you say, you know, it takes an hour and forty-five. Okay, today, you know, just just for a change, I'm going to give myself an hour thirty, but I'm still going to make sure I do the same amount of work. Yeah. You know, and it'll force you again to try and look for inefficiencies in how you're warming up and what you're doing and so forth. You know, some some people you know go into the gym and the first thing they do is stand by the counter and talk to somebody for twenty minutes, yeah. and they never think about that. They never think, oh yeah, it always takes me two hours to train. You're like, well, actually, no, because you always stand for twenty minutes talking to people in the parking lot. So, you know, you got to factor those things in too. Yep. Now, um, Phil, do you want me to do you want me to bring this up, or do you want me to bring this up as the, the topic of the day and how we're going to go about this? No, let's take a short break and then. Uh We'll come in here. Okay. All right, people. We'll be right back. Hi, this is Dr. Lonnie Lowry. And on behalf of Phil and Rob, I'd just like to let listeners know that if you love us or you hate us, we'd like you to leave a comment or perhaps vote for us on iTunes. It helps us out quite a bit on the popularity side of things. Uh, you can also follow uh, Dr. Lowry, me, on Twitter. Uh, it's Lawnman7 on Twitter if you want to do that. We also have a Facebook page, the Iron Radio uh, listeners page. So uh, whether it's leaving a comment or voting for us or following us on Twitter or Facebook, uh, that would be fantastic. Also, uh, occasionally Rob or myself will write an article for another website, and Phil will as well. So lots of ways to um, interact, uh, follow us in other media and vote for us and uh, keep things going strong on Iron Radio. Thanks. 
Like your weekly fix of Iron Radio? In addition to being a popular institute on iTunes, we are also on email. Simply go to www.ironradio.org and sign up for the voluntary email. You'll get a once-per-week email, no more, that's little more than the show notes and a link to the audio. So go for it. Okay, and we're back. Um, today we're going to do a little reader mail stuff. We, we've got some good questions, so we're going to hit those off and see where we can go with it. We'll get two, three, however many it takes. It just depends on how long we can talk on one. But the first one here, we're going to call the person Bill because he didn't give a, a name. So Bill asked, um, it's a good afternoon, gentlemen. I was recently subjected to an emotional stress like I've never felt before. During this period of stress, which lasted approximately two weeks, I lost 17 pounds and also lost a significant amount of strength. Would it be at all possible to give me and other listeners an explanation of how this was possible? Below, I've provided a reference of weight loss and strength loss. His weight went from 225 to 208. Squat before was 225 for four sets of 12, and he went down to three sets of five. Um, bench 225 for six sets of five. That dropped to 225 for three sets of five. So, you know, it's like a 50% drop off. But yeah, you know, and, and again, it's unfortunate we don't have Lonnie here because he could certainly speak to the physiological um, ramifications of, you know, unparalleled amounts of stress and these types of things. But certainly, Phil and I can riff on a lot of the other attributes, and and certainly yeah. just as a, as a, as a kind of a, you know, a cursory kind of mention. Certainly, you know, stress and the the hormones that that accompany massive amounts of stress are certainly not conducive to uh, building muscle and and feeling your best. So. I mean, it's it's no. It's, it, well, I was just going to say it's, it's certainly no no surprise to anybody in in society anymore that you know because I mean there's been so much said over the years about you know how much you know uh, constant chronic stress can have just unbelievable negative you know impact on your health. So and, oh, yeah. and like like Lonnie always saying, stress is a part of life. In fact, pretty much everything you do is a is a stress. Uh, yeah. You know, I mean, getting up in the morning and you know having to make your breakfast is a is a type of stress. Um, the stress this guy's talking about is, you know, I mean, he doesn't go into detail, but you know, I'm, I'm assuming it has something to do with you know a death in the family or some sort of you know some kind of life stressor. Yeah, yeah, something that was excessive. So again, stress in and of itself is something that <clears throat> humans just have to deal with because we deal with it all the time. We're talking about you know like like. Our, you know, Bill, you know, is saying, you know, this, this unprecedented, you know, kind of just, you know, uh, being snowballed with it at, all at once, or you know, having something like that but become chronic. So, yeah. I mean, the, the number one thing that jumps out to me here in this is, you know, me and you talk about it all the time. How eating is like generally the hardest thing with yeah. training. Yeah. And come this stress time, I bet he just didn't eat. And that's, you know, I was talking to Lonnie about it, and that, that's the number one thing. I mean, when stress hits, it sucks because you're not hungry, generally. You have people that, I guess there's there's certain people that that feed themselves immensely when they get stressed out. I'm the opposite. You know, I get stressed out, and my hunger's even, even worse than usual. And it's you just have to know that, and you've got to sit down and just make yourself eat, or you know you're going to lose a bunch of uh, a bunch of weight. And at the same time, I mean, with stress, everything's jacked up. Your metabolism is usually jacked up. You're stressed out. You're burning more calories than usual. Um, neurological factors and stuff like that. Your, your adrenal system's going crazy. Yeah. So you've just got to get the food in. Number one. I mean, if you can keep your weight on while you're in such a stressed environment, that's gonna help so much. So I'm guessing, you know, he he, he just didn't eat. Right. You and know, it wasn't the stress that did it. It was probably the lack of eating that, that took the weight off. Yeah. And like my 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 first reaction to it, as I sent to you and Lonnie, was. Yeah, he was. He probably either stopped, or you know, his training had diminished, or he wasn't sleeping nearly as much, or wasn't eating as much. And Lonnie actually responds saying that apparently Bill um, was still training three times a week, or, or some such thing. But then, you know, you still, you mentioned again the eating, and then I mentioned oh. the sleep, and and those things, those things, you know, they they all feed into feed into the greater whole, and the and. You know, I mean, yeah, you could be going to the gym and, you know, he could say, well, yeah, I was training. I was training. And again, I'm just, you know, I'm just hypothesizing here. I have no idea. But, you know, but I, yeah, I, well, I did go to the gym, you know, you know, less than I normally do or <coughs> the same as I normally do. But again, you have to factor in, like you're saying, 
but what was your food intake, food yeah. intake like? You know, were you eating? Uh, but yeah, I was eating. I was eating as much as I normally do. Okay, but were you eating what you norm the kind of food that you normally do? You know, sometimes when people are stressed, like you were saying, sometimes they eat as many calories, but they're you know it's coming from you know crappy fast food and you know bags of chips. Yeah. Who knows, right? And then you got to also look into the fact of sleep. Yeah, poor sleep. A lot, a great many people, you know, when they're suffering, you know, huge amounts of stress at anyone, you know, that the, the first thing to go is their their rest. Yeah. And the last thing that, that I want to just bring up about this thing, and I'll let you talk a little bit more about your own kind of thoughts on this, Phil. But the last thing I want to bring up is is because I think a lot of our listeners know how much I'm into the whole psychology of these things. I'm not saying I'm a psychologist, but I'm interested in these type of things. But you know, when you are very stressed and you're being confronted with something like again a death in the family or an illness or you know a financial heartache or, or something very often times your mind is just gone for anything that is not directly linked to solving the issue at hand or dealing with the issue at hand you know and going into the gym and squatting maximal weight you know for maximal performance you know when when you're you know, dad's dying his last week on in cancer in, in, in the hospital. I mean, let's be realistic. Psychologically, you're probably not going to be, you know, fee- feeding, you know, into the idea of maximal performance. So, that you have to look at that as well. So, it could be a question of did he lose? Did he actually lose the strength? Yeah, maybe. Or is it? Yeah. Or is it just like, not there? Right. Right. But you know, it's like I remember once a, a quote from uh, Bob Kennedy used to tell me that uh, he once heard Arnold. And uh, Arnold Schwarzenegger and, and Joe Weider conversing. And this is in the early days, and Arnold was saying things like, "I don't understand. You know, I go in the gym, and you know, I this week I had squat, you know, this much weight or bench press this much weight, Joe, and you know, then I come in a week later, and nothing's changed, but I, I can't lift the same amount of weight." And Joe said, "It's not your strength that you you haven't lost or gained strength." In, in that short period of time, it's 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 all the millions of variables outside of that. So it's it's not necessarily that you've lost the ability to do something. It's just that at that point in time, again, you didn't sleep well, you didn't eat properly, or like I said, and and I don't think this can be understated. Mentally, psychological, you're just you're just not in the game. Yeah. I mean, why do you think there's multitudes and roomfuls of books being written by people for sports psychology? You know, because the whole idea is when you're a high-performing, high-functioning athlete, your mental state can account for, you know, untold amounts of, you know, either, you know, deep-sixing your efforts or, or putting you over the top. Yeah. So, I mean... No, I agree on all that. It's, uh, you know, the psychological distraction's big. I mean, I've lived through some, some, some pretty tough times and trained through them and... A lot of people say, well, use that. Go into the gym and use that bullshit. You know, it, it, it doesn't work that way. You're still not, it, it's not leaving your mind, and you can try and channel that into lifting, but it, it's, it's not going to work. You're already super stressed out. What I'd get people to do is, you know, back off the loads a little bit, back off the, the reps a little bit, and, and look to just kill the weights and make them feel good. Even if you're taking 75%, something you can hit 8 or 10 for, and go in there and hit doubles and triples, you know, and just own it and, and keep your. Yeah. Keep, keep your mind on your side. Right. You know, the last thing you want to do is you're already beat down by life. Don't go in and get beat down by the weights, too. <laughs> right. You, have, you need to have something positive in your life. So go in and just, just kill some sense. And, uh, and you know what? Like you're, like you're kind of alluding to anyway, that also, again, feeds into the, the, the positive, the psychological positive benefits. Oh, yeah. Because, yeah. yeah, I mean, you know, like Phil's saying, if you're already, already feeling bad about something, even if you just got dumped by your girlfriend, I mean that that's a, that's a stress, you know, and that's not something that anybody should, you know, diminish. But you know, if you're feeling bad like that, and you go into the gym, and then you're, tra- you know, you're already psychologically messed up, and you don't really necessarily want to be there, of course your performance is going to suffer. So if you're trying to do what you normally do when you're, you know, when you're in good spirits, and you fail with it. Now you're psychologically even worse off. Yes. You know, because like Phil's saying, then you walk out of the gym and you're thinking, you know, you're, now you're thinking badly, but you're not, okay, my girlfriend just dumped me and I can't lift that anymore. Yeah, not even the gym's going right. Yeah, even that's you know? not going right. Exactly. And it can become this kind of like snowball effect that if you keep asking as much of yourself in all these different areas of life that you would when you're in, in great spirits and things are going well, 
then you're just bound to, again, have that snowball of negativity again where now everything's going wrong. So Phil's yeah. totally right. You know, Dan and John talks a lot about this. But, you know, but, but you know, that's, that's Phil, that, that really is such a great recommendation because and I've over the years I've found that too. It's like, you know what, okay, you normally bench press 315 for eight reps, you know, and, and you know that you're going in there and you don't really want to be there. And, and you immediately have to know that you're probably not going to be as best yeah. as good as you can. So you know what, yeah, hit five, five doubles. Yeah. You know, and like, and like Phil's saying, go in there and just do it and just, like you say, own it. So at least when you walk out of there, you, you haven't failed again, or, or you haven't, you know, suffered even more, you know, more blow to your life. So it's it's the thing that Dan John talks about. You know, he has his little his little circle of life thing where there's there's pieces of pie, and we only have so much pie. You can't pack in more pieces. So when one gets bigger, in in this case, it's psychological stress. Some other stuff has to give. So you can't expect to go in and, and be 100. percent So set yourself up to win. You know. Purposely rack the balls on the table to where you're going to freaking win. You know, go in and with low expectations, and I'm going to go in and kill my 70% for some doubles. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, and you're going to come out no matter what, you're going to come out winning. And at least you feel a little better about that. Right. Um, and, yeah, I agree 100%. I mean, so the psychological distraction is huge, and it's, that's where I try. I mean, in lifting, it's huge. Um, not even distractions, just the psychological element is a lot bigger than I think people know. And uh, I, I try and set up all my lifters to, we just don't fail. I don't. I don't want them to know what failing is, and it's like all yeah. we want to do is win. I'd rather see somebody kill eighty percent than barely miss one hundred and two percent. You know, that's a good you know? point. And so much of like certainly <laughs> Western philosophies of training, which are so rooted in hypertrophy and bodybuilding and you know muscle and fitness magazine kind of stuff, so much of it is based on when you think about it, constantly failing. Yeah, you know, because it's because so much of that kind of bodybuilding style training is all based on forced reps, and, and you know, and all that you know, and, and it's so much of that, you know that, and and it was hard for me when I was a bodybuilder because I would do that too, right? You you, you know, you do you know five reps, and then you have somebody help you with the last three and stuff, and and some people take that to extreme, some people just yeah. you know do it, you know, to to a minor degree. But the point is, is that, like, yeah, a lot of people are so stuck in this idea of constantly failing that it's not it, oh, to, yeah. them, to them to think to the, you know the concept of why go to 10 and you know completely barely get it versus doing eight and doing them perfectly and hard mm-hmm. a lot of people have a hard time with that concept right that whole idea of positive failure versus negative failure and then like going well beyond into forced reps and and all that kind of stuff and i mean that all stuff has all it has benefits all of it it certainly does we're not poo-pooing those those ideas yeah. But yeah, I mean, it's 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 important that specifically if you are a performance-based lifter, that you kind of really do train yourself to succeed. Yeah, to succeed at all times. You know? that's, I mean, that's the weird thing. I think you're right in that I, I guess that at least 90% of the population that goes into a gym is going in there to see, to kick their own butt. Right, yeah. They're going in to drag themselves out of there. Let's see what it takes for me to have the weights kick my butt today. And it's it's flip flopping that you know as a performance athlete just going there. Let's go and see what I can do. You know, let's see how much how much iron I can kick today around instead of it kicking me. I want to beat it. I want to go on there and I, I don't want to lose it all. I want to own it and and take it home and call it mine. You know, I I'd much rather do that. Like I said, I'd rather hit ninety percent for four singles and kill them than miss a hundred and one percent. Yeah. Oh, I almost made it. No, almost don't count. You know. It, it, it just doesn't count. And plus, if you are using some sort of structure for your training, where you know, in a, in a percent, you know, you're training with a percentage based, and and certainly, again, anybody who's a performance strength athlete should at least at least have a degree of that kind of going through their mind when they're you know planning their numbers, you know, basing things on percentages. And if you are, and you're not being ridiculous about it, and and I'm sure Phil could have, has lots of stories about this. We want to ask him, but because he does a lot. Of, clients and so forth people overestimate their percentages all the time yeah. you know it's like okay we'll choose your you know your max and then we'll do 75 percent of that you know and people people choose a max that you know they've done once and they've done it with you know some guy's hands all over the bar and the stars know. were aligned it was a lunar eclipse that exactly and it's like yeah. you know you have to you know you format mm. all these percentages off off numbers that are 
not your best numbers and not your worst numbers, but numbers that are consistent with you. Yeah. You know, you one time bench 385, but like I say, your ass came off the bench. It was like Phil saying the stars were aligned, and your buddy, he says, you know, I didn't help you at all, but you knew his fingers were on it. Yeah. You know, you know what? That's great. Go down <laughs> to maybe even 350 or something yeah. like that. You know, something that you know that literally you could go in week in and week out and hit if you had to, you know, um, perfectly. Mm-hmm. Because then you, and when you do that and you're using the proper percentages you're going to always be you should and if, if you do it do it right you should always be moving forward yeah. you know i mean yeah we all get stumbled stumbled once in a while here and have to take a couple steps back but generally speaking you should be moving forward there's no reason why you should be doing you know 275 on the bench for six this month and nine months from now go in and all of a sudden something happens you do three it's just yeah. like that's just like well <laughs> something yeah and that's that's what i was going to touch on that last thing where you talked about you know it's not likely his strength really dropped off that far in two weeks. No. It's it's like Lonnie says, and what he's not getting. Your body recognizes stress as stress. It recognizes getting hit by a car as the same as, you know, your mom dying and your dad coming down with cancer in the same Yeah. Way. You know, and it's just stress. Isn't, so, it, isn't, it, isn't it? Yeah, it is true, isn't it, that the body doesn't can't define whether it's physical stress or mental stress? No, it just knows it's under stress. Right. And that's what, I mean, it's just like a meat, so... A meat day is essentially, in the in the simplest terms, it's a it's a stressor. It's a day of really really high stress, and to recover from that, it takes weeks or a month. So just because he was stressed for two weeks, he's not going to be fully back from that stress for more time after that. You know, you can't say, okay, my stress is gone. I'm going to go hit my old numbers. No, you're not recovered from that stress. Yeah. So give it a few weeks. Get some some good training back in. Get your Get your head back behind it. Um, like Lonnie told us, you know, he kind of emailed some things that are his thoughts on it. You know, even your neurological condition is probably not as good as it was. You know, your adrenals are overstimulated. Your libido probably crashed. It's probably just a, a myriad of factors. Yeah, you know, yeah. Your testosterone probably went down some. Give yourself a little time to come back. Set yourself up at winning again. Give it a month. Then come back and try and hit those numbers. And they're likely there, maybe even more. Yeah, you know, and as an aside to that, when you're sick... I always tell people in the gym, you know, you know, you know, those first day or two when you actually start feeling normal again after yeah. you've had an illness like a flu or a cold. We all, it, it, all of us, this is not a phenomenon for one or two people. Everybody like, you know, you, you feel like a new person, you know, and if you're a person who does like to go and train, you think, great, I've missed a week because I've had a flu. I'm going back and I'm going to kick my ass in the gym because I've missed it. Eh, wrong. <laughs> Your body again has been under tons of stress. It's been fighting like hell. It's 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 essentially in your body is that your cells have been at war. Your immune system is, even though you've now come out the other end and you've been victorious, you know the battlefield is is still you know smoldering ashes. You know I mean because a, a huge war had just been you know waged there. You got to give yourself a chance, and I, that's why I always tell people: you have a cold for four or five days start feeling better you know what if you do go back in the gym when you're feeling better great but back off give yourself another few days for yourself to kind of replenish all that's been taken you know because all the machine guns and all the cannons have expended all their ammunition you know and you feel good now but guess what you have no more you know your your ammunition is completely shot let yourself build up a reserve again before you go and smash yourself into oblivion. So, and I think all this you can, like we we're talking about, we can relate this back to a meet. Any kind of stress you're under, these are good, good tips that you can follow. You know, if you've hit a hard time of physical stress, mental stress, psychological stress, whatever, you know, I think we just laid out some some podcast gold here for everybody. Be nice to yourself. Yep. Be good to yourself. You know, because we all have periods in life where we're, it's good. life is just going to, you know, square up and kick us right in the nads, you know, and it's going to happen, you know, and when it does, deal with it, but deal with it in a way that doesn't compound the problem, and if you do get, um, you know, a great deal of satisfaction and positivity from your training, which we hope you do, don't give up on it. I mean, there might be times where you have to because maybe you're the guy in the hospital. But, I mean, you know, yeah. but if you can, don't give up on it, but back off. 
like like Phil says, allow yourself to be successful, you know, for where you are at that given moment. And, you know, and and that in in those instances, it can be you know it can help it can help with the stress. You know, yeah, it can lead into other parts of your life. Like, exactly. Well, at least yeah. I won in the gym. You know, I won at something today. Yeah, and like it I say, maybe maybe it can help you blow off some steam a little bit. Yep. You know, but so. um, you know, so 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 be measured in what you do when you're experiencing that type of thing, and uh, and if at all possible, do go and continue you know your routines, but just. Like I said, be good to yourself. Be a little bit easier in yourself. Don't expect so much out of yourself. Um, and and you know you, you hopefully you'll come out the other end and you'll you know be able to get back right back into it you know with time. But I mean yeah, you don't want to sabotage yourself because you know like like this Bill guy is saying. Tr- truthfully, with one or two weeks, nobody's going to lose that much really. But if you if you allow that allow it to become chronic. You know, like say say the stress that's going on is not directly with you, but somebody else that's in your life, and now the stress is going on because you have somebody who's in the hospital for eight months or something like that. You know, one or two weeks, no. But you know what? If you allow that kind of cycle to continue for several months, yeah, it's gonna start. It's gonna start really affecting you in a way that's very tangible. So that's let's all. go to the next one. Yeah, yeah. Do you want? Uh, you can roll with it if you want, or if not, I got it opened up here. Okay, well, y- you go ahead. Go ahead and. Okay, um, this is from Paul. Um, so he, he wrote Rob and said he's, he's a huge fan of the show. We thank you for that. Um, been listening to all the back podcasts and this and that. And uh, his training in nutrition has benefited greatly from it. He gave us a, uh, a good topic of the day. Mm-hmm. We're going to just kind of approach it as a question here. Um, as part of a topic, but um, wanted to talk about the different approaches of powerlifting training, specifically if the focus of training the three lifts is to hit one top set or do multiple sets to strengthen the lift. Generally, I think training for powerlifting tends to fall into three different approaches. First is classic Western methodology, where the lifter trends, tends to train each of the lifts with low frequency once a week, typically, and tends to plan a periodized increase of load of a single set. Um, or key set, and then maybe some back offsets and assistance work, uh, stuff like that. Think about Cone, Gallagher, um, Kirk Kowalski type of training. The second school of thought is more the Russian approach, where lifters typically will train the three competition lifts multiple times a week, doing multiple sets in certain intensity ranges rather than a top set. Uh, he's talking about small knob, Shiko, stuff like that. Um, then West Side, which is radically different than the other two. I'd, I'd argue it's not, but uh, um, yeah, yeah, yeah. And of course, there are certainly many more ways to get the job than the, the, those three. But wonder if we could talk about those three, get our perspective uh, on it. So yeah, and you know, I I, I I sent a response to him, and you know, I was saying that you know, I, certainly I would fall more in the idea of you know, um, very intense, low frequency, um, you know, and, and again working through your numbers and not uh, you know, and but not certainly for your top sets not overdoing it kind of a thing. Yeah. The thing I did say that kind of sparked a little, little bit of an exchange between the three of us with emails and you can talk more about this film in a second mm-hmm. is the idea of what he's saying about, you know, the the what really when you look at it is kind of more of an Olympic weightlifter yeah. type, you know, prospect that, you know, um, a lot of powerlifters have now tried to um, to varying degrees of success, implement into their training, and that's I, I, I noticed Phil when you were reading that you were saying how he was saying you know there's the West Side that's radically different. You were saying well not so much really, and this is where that comes in because yeah, people who are familiar with West Side and Louis Simmons and kind of his his way of doing things he stole. I, I should, it's I all based on Russian. It, it's yeah, it, it's all based on that kind of stuff. So yeah. you know. Um, so it's really not radically different. I, I suppose that the, the manner in what you kind of approach it might be different, but the the idea is the same. So, yeah. um, I mean, where they changed it is, you know, they got the dynamic day, which is a bit of a back off. Um, and I think honestly, from 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 all the guys I know who've trained with Louis, there's a lot of people that say I train West Side, and they don't. You know, <laughs> yeah. they, right. they just don't. There's a there's about I don't know how many. Li- does Louie have now? He probably has ten. There's ten people training West Side. There's not five hundred or a thousand. There, there's there's just those ten are actually training West Side. Yeah, now there's you know? there's, there's, there's many there's many thousands who are who think they are who are or who have fairly who have implemented 
a lot of inf- Westside influence. I a mean, lot of it I've seen. Uh, they they misinterpret a lot of it. I yeah. mean, I think it's not always. It's it's more based on like the Bulgarians used to lift. It, it's it's not about getting a PR every day, which everybody thinks it is. I'm sorry, it's not going to happen. Uh, after your first year of training, you're not going to hit a PR every day. It's it's getting what's there that day. You know, something that's really hard. And you're looking to not lose, you're looking to win. But it's a lot of hard training, it's frequent. Um, and so in, in that way, it does have a lot of, a lot of uh, similarities to the Olympic weightlifting programs. But um, so, Something it, that we have to talk about, um, because cause I, I still think it's an interesting discussion, is, yes, a lot of these European weightlifters and weightlifters in general do train very frequently. <laughs> yeah. Um, sometimes several times a day. Oh, yeah. Um, but you also have, uh, and this is really only something that, that even I took to start thinking about several years ago, the idea of, well, how do they do it? Well, beyond the fact that, A, it's a different sport, and B, a lot of these guys, you know, are, are used performance-enhancing drugs yeah. and all this type of thing. Really, think about it. In weightlifting, with bumper plays and so forth, the movements, there's no, there's no eccentric, eccentric yeah. work there. You know, there's no there's no controlled lowering of any weight. There's there's no grinding even on the concentric. No, it's extremely explosive, and yeah, then you you're just always using a percentage of say your deadlift, a grinding lift. It's always a fast lift. Yeah, and um, and you know, and when you look at a lot of the studies and so forth that that say, you know, I mean, to varying degrees, but I mean, you know, leads a lot of cred- a lot of the studies have lent credibility to the fact that you know a lot of strength grinding strength and muscle hypertrophy. You know, muscle size growth and all that is attributable to the the lowering or eccentric yes. part of a lift. Yeah, and weightlifters don't worry about that. They don't do that, and and so much of it. I mean, I'll tell you, man, it, heavy nothing will destroy you faster than a ton of negatives. Yes, you know, I mean, Lonnie has even done studies as far as muscular damage studies in some of his past labs because I've been a part of a couple of them. Where he actually uses nothing but negatives to induce soreness yeah. and massive fatigue. So what does and that tell you? You know, and, and, and that's where a lot of this comes into play. And and a lot of the, I've I've seen people do the Chico programs and the small off, and, and but a lot of them are the, the people that I've seen success are are two hundred pound guys that are squatting two twenty five or two eighty five. Yeah, you know, it doesn't matter what the hell they do, they're going to get success. They can go in and beat themselves up. I've never seen a real strong person come in and train that frequent and that often in the power lifts and, and do it. They're, they're programs that somebody found the Russian text and said, wow, look at this. This is amazing. Look what their lifters did. Let's implement it in power lifting. Sorry, wrong sport. Totally different sport. You know, and they're, they're trying to take something and they call it the new Russian program. So it's all, it's all neat and, and yeah. packaged up and marketed. Now, certainly, I mean, and I'm, I subscribe to this 100%, but certainly there has to be something said for the idea of skill training. Oh, yeah. And and certainly, you know, if you're looking at that kind of more kind of weightlifting kind of, you know, idea, you can say, well, okay, if I'm training, my percentages are low enough, it's just skill training. And, you know, yeah. to a degree, that's true. Um but again, you're talking about you know <laughs> the difference between you know adding in a few light skill training uh, yeah. sessions versus versus you know three or four or five sessions a day where it doesn't really it, it doesn't really even matter at that point if your percentages are like twenty percent you know yeah. eventually that's going to you know just burn into you in a very bad way. Well, and that's where you know, he mentions Pavel in in this thing too, along with the the Russian approaches and. But that's where, you know, Pavel kind of dipped, differenced with, with his grease the groove method and stuff like that. He'd have you, you know, let's say you're doing it for chins and you can do 15. You'd be doing sets of like three throughout the day. So you're never doing anything that beats you up. You're just getting volume in over hours and days. Yeah. Um, it's kind of like working construction. I know lots of strong guys that work construction and you're never really kicking butt at one time. You're kind of just going through the motions and doing the job, but you get stronger from it. Yeah, um, it, it's that type of thing. So I see that totally different uh, from the other ones. Well, you know, in the past, there's even be there. There's even been ideas in bodybuilding, like you know, you, you want to put an inch on your biceps, so you do a you know, you do a heavy set of ten curls every hour for a week. Yeah. You know, and certainly, probably a lot of that growth has come from just inflammation. <laughs> after yeah. you've done something like that, but uh, yeah, 
you know, fluid retention, all that kind of stuff. But, you know, it's there, and the, so there is things to be said for those types of things. And we're not saying that it's necessarily wrong to try and implement some of that. Because, I mean, like I said, Louis Simmons from Westside has for, it successfully within the parameters of how his guys train. Yeah. You know, again, drug users and so forth. And by the way, I'm not, you know, open, you know, I'm not spilling the bag on anything that everybody already doesn't know. You know, West, the West Side is, is very pro drug use. Um, and that's not good or bad. That's just the way they do things. And you got, and you know, cause I've met a lot, I mean, as, as I'm sure you have, Phil, too, I've met a lot of guys who are like, yeah, I train West Side. And it's like, you know, really? How's Louie doing? Yeah. It's, it's <laughs> like, it's like, you know, these guys have never been to West Side. They, you know, they, they they've been training for two years. They're 180 pounds. You know they're they're natural. They're it's like come on man. Like yeah. no, that's I mean I know I personally know Jesse Burdick and Mark Bell who both train at Westside, and they don't have the balls to say I train Westside now because they don't train with Louis Westside. They train under you know conjugate periodization principles, but they're not training with Louis. <laughs> you know yeah. Um, so it's not Westside. But yeah, I mean I understand I understand where it's coming from here. But um, you know, you know I think. The thing is about this, and you know, and I'm 42, so I really start thinking about these things lately. Um, the thing, the the thing that's the biggest stickler to, you know, the thing that's going to stop you from getting where you want to go, is just that you run out of time. Really, because think about it: if you were like immortal. You know, yeah. and you you loved training with weights as much as Phil and I do. Yeah. I mean, there's real, literally nothing that you couldn't do. Your yeah. body would always, you know, you'd never have degradation because of age of your body, and you'd have all the time, endless time to work through all these different ideas. Yeah. And, and you know, and and formatting programs and, you know, making modifications to this and that and everything. The problem is, is that we have, you know, finite amounts of time, you know, because you say, well, what is the right way? Like, you know, like this letter writer is saying, right? Is it, you know, is, is it this way? What do you think about this way versus that way versus traditional way? You know what I think? I think everything works yep. to a degree, you know, and specific to the person doing it and the mindset of the person doing it. Yes. I get people all the time, all the gym coming to me and say, what do you think? And they literally come up to me, and I get this like probably two or three times a week, and they'll, you know, hand me, you know, a a smartphone with a program on it or a piece of paper. What do you think of this? What do you think of this? I say, I don't know. I I think that, you know, you have to follow the program and you have Mm -hmm. to, you know, have your heart in it because most things work if you believe in it. Yep. You know. And that's what people... I'm 100% with you. They ask me what to do, and it's like, well, I can tell you what I'm using now on my people, what's getting them results. But me personally, you know, and I'm using much the same thing, but I can't ignore that for two years I trained under, you know, conjugate periodization type type training. For, For a year or two I trained under this style of training. And would I be where I am now if I didn't do those other styles of training? I don't know. I can't answer you that. Yeah. You know, I can tell you that what I'm using now and what I'm using on my people is getting great results with them and myself. But will they get to where I was without doing what I did? I don't know. And I can't right. line you out a decade of training and, and say, all right, here you go. Here's 10 years. Do it just like I did. Yeah. <laughs> and this is, this, this is the, so much of the complexity and the difficulty in being a Lonnie Lowry. Yeah. You know, when you're a scientist, when you're, you know, you, you, you do studies because you're constantly trying to measure these things and, that is, I think a lot of people who haven't been, you know, aren't, aren't scientists and or haven't been exposed to somebody who is and does studies, is you don't realize how difficult it is to try and get, you know, a static series of events, you know, and then be able to log information that, that allows you to move forward with it. That's not very easy because of what, like, what, like Phil's saying. There's so many variables. Yeah. You know, Phil's doing this and he's got his, fr- his people doing it, but the people who are doing it aren't Phil and Phil's not them. And you come from different places. So if Phil's getting something out of it and somebody else isn't getting something out of it, is it that the program doesn't work for them or is it just that the person doesn't have the, the necessary base that Phil exactly. does to actually capitalize and, and take this advantage? is why. Yeah, it's, this is exactly why I just am not a big buyer of cookie cutter programs because everybody's an individual. So you walk in here, and I have a base plan that everybody does, but every single that's I got twenty two people on my freaking powerlifting team, 
I got 22 people doing different crap <laughs> because each one of them's an individual. I'm not going to have Adam do what Kay's doing because it's she's not the same person. You know, as far as assistance work and stuff like that, it, it would it would be wrong with me. And that's where people always want this cookie cutter. This is the one. Yeah. This is the one that takes me there. And it's letting sorry, bud. I mean, Ed Cohn's program, you're not Ed Cohn. Nobody in this world is going to be Ed Cohn. But Ed Cohn. <laughs> I remember, I remember, you bring him up, and the interesting thing is, of course, of course, I know Ed, and the interesting thing is, I remember that Louis once said, Louis Simmons from Westside, mm-hmm. once said of Ed Cohn, who, again, for people who don't know, is arguably, you know, the greatest 242 pounder of all time, um, Oh, you know, like he, he just, he almost trains like a bodybuilder, right? If we could get him in Westside, God, what, what could we do with that guy? I'm yeah. like, well, maybe you couldn't do anything with him. Maybe he yeah. would just get injured on your program and he'd, and he'd be worse than he ever was. Yeah. You know, because it, it, so it's like, that's what I'm saying. It's, the variables are so yes. extensive. You don't know. I mean, the bottom line is you always, I always tell people, you know, eat well, sleep a lot, try and lift lots of weight. Yeah. I mean, and, and outside of that, how you format all that, you're, I mean, if you're somebody with the passion for this, as we all are, you know, like, you're going to be 20, 30, 40 years into this and still thinking, God, I'm still tinkering around with exactly. this. Cause and that's the fun for me as a coach. You know, it's my job to, somebody comes to me, and the best I can do, I can give you a plan that's going to give you progress. From day one, let's say month one of you with me, are we going to get the best progress we ever have, or we can? No, because I don't know you yet. You know, it ta- you know you better than I do, but it's going to take time. And like me, I'm still learning myself every single day. What yeah. I just changed after 14 years of training. Tuesday, I changed my squat stance. <laughs> you know, so I mean, things change constantly. You know what? And that's I, that's I, the big thing. Let well, me just use an ex- example. You know, like I, I've, I've, it's well worn. You know. Uh, on Iron Radio, I've said, you know, I've gone from, you know, like Olympic style bodybuilding squats to, you know, then switching to powerlifting, thinking, you know, okay, now I have to squat like a powerlifter. Okay, that's not working. Then I go narrow again. Then I go wide again. You know, just last week I thought, okay, I'm going to be medium, like shoulder width, but I'm going to turn my toes in now about an inch. Cause I, cause I find that I can actually just flex through my hips better if I do that. I mean, and, but I'm telling you, the, the margin of what I'm talking about as far as the difference, and Phil, yeah. you know exactly what I'm talking about. Most people would be like, that's now your new priority. Yeah. That's your new avenue of expression. And that's the thing. And you're like, at the point where it's minutia makes a huge difference. Oh, exactly. You're like, you know, <sighs> I can really, it, 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 really, it really seems to be working for me. And most people would look at you and be like, you're insane. Like, that's nothing. Yeah. But it's like, yeah, you're, you're, and you're constantly doing that. You're constantly tinkering around with things, you know, and it, and it becomes, you know, I mean, the whole idea of, you know, how you program your, your training. I mean, the, the big macro level things, you know, you get those out of the way in the first 10, 12 years. Yeah. After that, it's like, you know, where you slot things in. Like I said, yeah. percentages and where's your deload and where, you know, and, and, you know, should I put my toes an extra two inches this way? I mean, and, and again, these are all things that most people look at you and think you're mad because the average person at the gym never even remotely approaches these type of things. You yeah. know, they just go in, they sit down on an Ibex, you know, machine and they just start pushing or, you know, they put the pin in and start pushing some way. Yeah. Um, I, it's difficult. Yeah. It's difficult. Yeah, it and well, that's part of the fun. Oh, exactly. You know? I was going to say, it is part of the fun. I mean, it can yeah. be frustrating if you let it be frustrating. Yeah. But if you look at it, like I'm saying, as far as something that's just, it's a journey, you yeah. know, then it, then it becomes, okay, well, you know, I'm going to try this now. I'm going to try that now and see how that works. And, and give your, give your all to whatever, don't half-ass anything. You know, whatever program you are on right now, believe in it and do the work. I always, the phrase I always worry, say, I'm say to people is work the program. Yeah. Don't, and a lot of people, yeah, like don't half-ass a program. Like give yourself to the program and don't start. And you can't do an eight-week program for two weeks and say, ah, it didn't work for me. Yeah. Now, <laughs> now there's nothing wrong with modifying a program, but you have to, like Phil saying, you have to give yourself to the program for a while before you should, should really give yourself license to start dick, dicking with it too much. Yeah. You know, if you've done right. it for, you know, minimum of several weeks, 
you know, and, and you have enough experience under your belt, 10, 15 years that you can kind of, then you can start like messing around with it a bit. But I mean, don't just be like, okay, well, yeah, like, like Phil's saying, oh, I've done two uh, squat sessions with this program. It's not working for me. Well, you know, the only way you should be able to say that is if, you know, you did it and for some, you know, you tore a muscle to shit or something. But I mean, other than that, you got to give yourself to the program. Yeah, you haven't even let the program cut its teeth yet, you know. Because yeah. what you do today isn't going to show up for a month. But, uh, you know, that's, I think it's, um, I want to mention one more thing before we run out of time. It's, uh, you know, he mentions there's three different approaches. I'd argue there's probably a way more than that. But you're seeing a rebirth of kind of the training like I've been doing here. I guess Ripto's that type of guy. And there's several other coaches now. And it's not, it doesn't all come down to one set. You know, me and, and the way I train a lot of my people is it, it comes down to, you're seeing a lot more people train at multiple sets. Um, five sets of three, five sets of five type of thing. Yeah, yeah. Um, that's coming back. And it, it, it's, the one set's nice, but you're only giving yourself one set to succeed. It also takes, it takes reps and sets to, to really build strength. Um, I'm, I'm big on like deadlifts. Let's say I'm doing five sets of three or, Let's go in there. We're going in there with 85%. Let me see how many singles I can get in an hour. Type of thing. Yeah, that, yeah. that time under the bar, and it's just simple training that you'll always win at. Like, if I got 80%, I can go in there every hour. And if, as long as I rest a minute or two, I can hit that freaking thing all day long. But it's it's if I want to. The only reason I'm going to miss it is I give up, you know, or I rest 30 seconds. And it's you're seeing a lot more of that come back, and it's a lot more of, like we were talking about in the last topic, I mean, I train a lot under... Um, teaching people how to succeed. And it, it just bleeds in their whole life and into their training. If you go in there and you just, you know nothing but winning, that really does a lot for you. I mean, sure. just mentally. I mean, there was a, like I've said it before on here, I had a four-year span where I went in and I never missed a deadlifting competition or training. And my confidence, it was sky freaking high. You know, it was, I knew nothing but I'm going to go pick this thing up. And I didn't care what number it was because all I knew is that what I do with the bar and weights is I pick it up. You know, because that's all I'd done for four years. Yeah. And it was like, Ooh. now I was hitting PRs and this and that. Now I'm not sure I've missed a couple since then, but not a lot. And I still train that way. So, um, you know, yeah, I don't know. There's a lot of good, there's a lot of good ways. It's, it's picking one and then, like Rob said, run the program, see if it works. You know, you might be a person where, the, the Chico program works for you. I really don't see that kind of volume and that kind of frequency working in a in a powerlifting format or even bodybuilding that has a lot of eccentric moves for very long. Um, you're going to beat yourself up. But you know, it's it's you know if we've if we've learned anything from a lot of the you know the European weightlifting type thing is 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 this I I believe at least this is maybe just my belief but we've learned that nobody no matter how well conditioned you are as an athlete. Nobody can lift, you know, 85, 90% plus, you know, for generally speaking, more than three, four weeks yeah. before you're going to have start having some neuromuscular drop off and, and ultimately some, perf- some performance drop off. Having said that, and with, with that understanding, and let that sink in for you folks, with that understanding, the simplest thing I can say is you have got to lift heavy as much as you can you know again bearing in mind what I just said about again having to you know (laughs) acquis what's that word you know like you know deload once in a while you know every third fourth fifth wit but you know what it's like I I tell people in the gym if you want to be strong you got to lift heavy and people look at you and they go duh but it's like, you know, but but I'm not talking from a simplistic standpoint. That sounds simplistic, but it's not simple. Yeah. You know, you have got to learn to lift and train with heavy weights to be able to be strong. And like I said, I hate that when people look at me and go, duh. It's like, oh, yeah. It's like, no, because what I'm talking about is much more sophisticated than what, just duh. It sounds easy, but in practice, it's not well, yeah, and I mean, let me mention one more thing. It's, you know, like on the, the Eastern Europeans and the Russians and stuff like that, another reason that they could train so often is that's all they did. Their athletes have the benefit of they have housing paid for them. They have oh, they have people they making, have yeah, no they, stressor in life. That's what I think it was Randall Strassen. He did all the videos over there. He did the, you know, the brilliant uh, Bulgarians or whatnot, and he asked the coach, you know, so why do you have him train three times a day? And he said the only reason he did it is it keeps him out of trouble. 
You know, they're too freaking tired to do anything else. They're not going out partying and stuff like that. And all they of, had to do was eat, sleep, massage. A blood. lot of those guys lived like sumo wrestlers lived. Yes. Yeah, and if anybody's familiar with how sumo wrestlers in Japan live, yeah. that's how a lot of those lifters lived. They literally had everybody doing something for them. Like you woke exactly. up. Somebody had your meal prepared for you. (laughs) You went and did your training session. You immediately were taken then, escorted, and given like a massage. Then you'd go and sit down and your meal would be prepared for you. And then you were expected to go and lay down for two hours of sleep. Your only stressor in life is training. Yeah. It's it. If if we were all like that, I'd be a frick. I'd be a thousand pound deadlifter. Yeah. (laughs) So anyway, as a a take-home message, as Lonnie would say um, in his absence, Work programs, don't get too caught up in, in, in trying to modify things when, when you're trying new ideas. And I would assume there's a heck of a lot of listeners who have been trained for less than 10, 5 years. So for those people out there who are listening, you know, choose an idea that makes rational sense and work the program and see where it takes you. Um, you know, don't get too caught up in trying to modify the hell out of things because you know what? There's a lot of good programs out there. There's a lot of shit programs, but you know what? A lot of the try, the try and true ones that you'll get from, you know, uh, you know, guys were using 40, 50, 60, 70 years ago. You know what? They've been around for a long time for a reason. So, you know, give yourself to them and, and see what happens. Yeah. There you go. It was a good show. We're good right show. There time, so. All Thanks right. Thanks a lot, everybody. Later. Iron Radio is accepting donations. If you like what we do, the professors, the scientists, the bodybuilding show promoters, the athletes themselves in powerlifting and bodybuilding, um, please consider making a donation or maybe buying something from the ironradio.org store. Uh, We also are accepting supporting members. So for $4 a month, which is frankly less than the bank sneaks out of your account in fees, you can step up and support a form of sort of public radio for the bodybuilding and powerlifting and strength community. Hey, IronRadio.org listeners, this is Lonnie Lowry, and I'm just bringing you a sneak peek only for Iron Radio listeners at this point. If you Google CRC Press, Lowry, L-O-W-E-R-Y, and Protein You can be some of the first people on the planet to see this book. It's specifically for strength athletes. Everything on the safety of high-protein diets, the efficacy, the dosing, the types, practical applications, and case studies. This is a textbook. It's not what I would call an industry book. This is not pseudoscience. This is the -the state-of-the-art science. And if someone wants to critique you on your extra protein intake, This will be something you can hold up and say, this is what the literature says about stressed kidneys or bone loss or gout or dehydration or increased muscle mass over time or leanness or what types are best. This is the ultimate source in one place. Little disclosure here. I do make a single digit percentage of royalties on this book. It's such a low amount, however, obviously I haven't done it for that purpose. I did it because, like you, I want to have something I can hold up in one place that's modern literature instead of what perhaps a health educator might tell you about the benefits and the potential concerns, if there are any, on ample protein diets specific to a population like ours. Thank you. The Iron Radio Podcast and all of the audio on ironradio.org is for informational purposes only. If you're interested in starting a diet or exercise program, it's important to check with your physician. Also seek the help of registered dietitians, athletic trainers, and qualified exercise physiologists in order to make the progress that you need.